Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. This is our 50th episode. We started about a year ago. We've missed a week here or there. But when I started doing this podcast a year ago, I thought I was going to do it till this past summer and then put a pause on it because the Olympic Games were happening this past summer. It would be, you know, maybe... 30 to 40 episodes, put a nice bow on it, and put it away. Well, we're at 50 now, and again, I find myself eight months away from the Olympics. But I've really enjoyed doing this podcast, being able to talk to so many people in and around the Olympic Games, being able to share some people's coming out stories through the podcast. We've talked to Paralympians and Olympians. We've talked to trans people, lesbians, queer, gay. Uh, It's been Uh, To me, I've really enjoyed these conversations a lot. I realized that one of the areas that I really hadn't talked to anybody uh, is from the fan perspective. And as I was talking to Ken Schultz, my uh, colleague at Outsports, he, which I should have realized, is a huge Tom Daly fan. At Outsports, anytime somebody uh, presents some Tom Daly news, Ken is the first one to say, I'll write about it. Ken has a great story to tell about Tom Daly, about how their paths have paralleled one another, uh, and and why he's such a big Tom Daly fan. We also talk about the 2016 Olympic Games, which oof, were rough for Tom Daly. Uh, Ken Schultz is also the host of the Three Strikes You're Out podcast on the Outsports Podcast Network. He's a huge baseball guy, but today we're talking Tom Daly. Ken, thank you so much for for joining me. And I, I, I think you're the first person I'm having on who's main connection to the Olympics is just as a as a fan. And I love the story that you tell of your connection to to Olympian Tom Daly. Kind of lay out the lay out the story for the listeners. Awesome. Thanks, Sid. Yeah, I feel like if I'm your first guest who's mostly a fan, I should be getting be getting my answers with a longtime listener, first time caller. So it's it's good <laughs> oh, to be wow. here. Um, and yeah, it, it, Tom Daly's kind of coming out journey in a few ways kind of parallels mine a little bit. Um, certainly not in terms of age. I was 35 when I first started telling people that I was attracted to guys. And I think he's a solid, almost 15 years younger than that. But just in terms of year wise, um, I started telling f- friends and then eventually family in the summer of 2014 and really started coming to terms with it myself about a year or so prior to that and just had to take a long time just to get used to the idea of both being comfortable with being attracted to men and eventually saying the words, I am attracted to guys. And actually a, a big part of that process um, as I was kind of figuring this out by myself was going on a bunch of different sites, whether it was Outsports was was a big help in that time period or also like HuffPost Queer Voices was another. and around the winter of 2013, when I was definitely sure that I was into guys, but hadn't really started talking about it much yet, um, is when I stumbled on a headline of British Olympic diver um, inspiring coming out video. 
And that was around the time where I just wanted to be inspired by anybody who had a coming out story. So I clicked through and that was Daly's very famous uh, five minutes explanation to all of his fans at that point that he had met a man and had become romantically involved with him. And I remember being struck by the honesty and even though he was clearly very much, you could see the fear in his eyes and especially compared to the way most of his vlogs are as someone who's essentially a professional vlogger at this point. But at the time you could see that this was something that he was emotionally unsure of how his friends and how his fans would emotionally react. And something about that really struck a chord with me because that was exactly what I was feeling at the time. And I, to be honest, and I'm going to probably use this phrase a lot, I'm not made of stone. He's an impressively handsome man. And kind of it was between him and Lance Bass that were like my first crushes that I just allowed myself to be comfortable with, I guess is the best way of phrasing that. Yeah, Leonardo da Vinci, um, or no, wait, who's the, who's the sculptor? Wait. Oh, Michelangelo, yes. Michelangelo. Yeah. <laughs> Michelangelo did his best work with Tom Daly. There's no question about that. My God, yes. And, and honestly, like, the body is phenomenal, but even if he had, like, a regular build, like, the face is what does it for me. That, and, and the smile that he sometimes lets out when he's talking about his son in a vlog or when he's when Lance makes him laugh, like that's that's the thing where it, it just gets me right in my heart. It's funny because over the last year or so, as you worked at Outsports, um, a couple of times, whatever, I'll leave a, a, a Tom Daly headline in, in our story ideas section or, or somebody will. And I swear you must have a Tom Daly alert on your phone because <laughs> within 60 seconds, you're like, I'll write it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It, it, uh, if you click through, just do a random Outsports archive search of the words Tom Daly, you'll start to notice a pattern of certain author writing over and over again. So, yeah, again, I, I don't mind writing about people who inspire me in that way. And even so, when he's doing like a goofy vlog of him, like failing at golf, like that's that's also just kind of, you know, it's, it's fun to see him having fun. Well, that's that's definitely he, he lets his personality shine through. He has from really day one that he entered the international uh, diving scene. And, you know, he's, he's always, he's not afraid to be imperfect, which oh, I think is one of the things that you gravitated toward in his coming out video. I think a lot of people, there was, um, and it, maybe the imperfect isn't the word, vulnerable is the perfect, is, is the word. He clearly didn't have all the answers. He said, I really don't know what I'm doing right now, um, but I have to share this. I don't know where this is gonna end up. And, and that vulnerability and honesty, I think is what has made him such a superstar beyond his good looks. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's, it's something that you notice and just about any video that he puts out, almost immediately, the humanity that's there underneath whatever he's talking about or whatever activity he's engaging in, whether it's just goofing around and trying various candies in Korea or Japan where he's traveled for diving competitions, or again, if it's uh, a little bit more profound, if, if he's interacting with, I think his son is two or three years old at this point, and, and just kind of letting us see the joy that he takes in being a parent and kind of having a stable home life and how much of a difference that's made in his life. And it's, 
and and even the disappointments too, like after the 2016 Olympics, where you could tell that he was crushed by how he had performed in the semifinal individuals that year. And even though he was, there was something very British about it, and that he would talk about the heart heartbreak, but you wouldn't see him break on camera. There, there, there was still a, a real like it it it's it's not a stereotypical athlete just trying to show that he can dominate any competition persona that he has, and it, it's very refreshing. That 2016 Olympic Games, I, I have wanted to ask him about it for well for four years i guess everybody has uh because i remember he, he, he in the in the forget correct me if i'm wrong in in the final on day one he was first right in the semifinals was it the semifinal or the prelims uh it was the prelims and i i think he was not just first but i'm i wanted like 90 percent sure he set a record with how well he scored in the prelims and yeah, when it, then the next day in the semifinals, that I don't know if it was something in his head or just not his day, but I I remember watching that uh, watching that Olympics with friends, and uh, a friend had kind of found a website that let us kind of see it live before NBC got, got the tape delay, and I didn't see the semifinals, but we tuned in for the finals, and I kept waiting to see okay, when's it Tom's turn? When's it Tom's turn? And he just didn't show up. And I remember at some point finally just checking the internet and seeing, oh, geez, he kind of, I mean, choked, unfortunately, a little bit in, in the semis. And it's probably a bit harsh, but that's, you know, the, the, the sports narrative that forms behind that. And when you do that in the Olympics, God, you've got to live with that for four years. And I, I, I can't conceive of how that's, that's, I, I guess both motivated and haunted him since that day. Yeah, he, he he finished first in the preliminary round, number one, and in the semifinal he finished last and didn't qualify. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, and I remember trying to make sense of that when it happened, and nothing that I could come up with really made sense. You know, we other than just you can have a quarterback or a pitcher or anybody give the performance of a lifetime and then their next start just get blasted. And mm -hmm. that's sports. It's hard to find those people who can consistently be great. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that Daly has struggled with is consistent greatness in the Olympics. And certainly he has two bronze medals to show for it over the course of three Olympics. But for a kid who, you know, came onto the scene in 2008, I think it was 14 or something, I think a lot of people expected more. And when he finished first in the prelims in 2016, we thought, okay, here we go. He's finally going to get it. And while he's gotten, you know, gold medals and world championships and European championships, that that Olympic gold or silver has just eluded him. Yeah, it's it's he's led such a fascinating, but in many ways, a very difficult kind of life just in terms of his relationship to his sports because as you say he was being prepared for olympic competition before he was even a teenager and i want to say he was was he 12 in his first olympic games in 2008 something like that who's 14 for um, 14 okay but that's that is a unique and special pressure that i don't think even some 
Olympic athletes can can even fully understand just because unless you were anointed as the chosen one, as an Olympic chosen one from that young an age, I, I don't know that, certainly I can't understand that kind of pressure. Uh, and then, yeah, you're always, once you reach that, that pinnacle, first of all, it's a celebration that first time. And obviously it was when he was 14, but then it's like, okay, now you're here. Now the only thing you can do is you can either perform or disappoint. And there, there's no gray area in that. And that's, that's another kind of pressure that your entire life has been leading toward. And yeah, again, I, that's, that's a lot for anyone, especially someone who's only known about this kind of life since he's pretty much, I don't know, eight or 10 is when he started diving professionally. Um, so that in and of itself is a lot. And then you start building in what, as you referenced earlier, is kind of a traditional sports narrative of the great athlete who sometimes fails in the biggest moments that you in football, you have like a Peyton Manning narrative for many years. In baseball, we just had Clayton Kershaw win his first World Series this October and finally put that narrative that's haunted him for the better part of a decade to, to bed. So in a way, this is a traditional narrative meeting a very untraditional way of being trained for your sport and you know living in the spotlight's glare ever since you were barely out of prepubescence and I mean that's that's a ton of stuff for anyone to deal with so I sympathize a lot with him uh when he had that awful semifinals and uh, you know he's obviously got so much going for him as a world famous athlete incredibly handsome married to an Oscar winner, has an incredible son. And yet when he lost in the semifinal I, and I found out about it in 2016, I just thought, I feel so damn bad for you, man. Going back to coming out, because I do think that his coming out and in the first year or two of his, that part of his journey is so interesting because he didn't know where he was going to end up. He was vulnerable. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did he say I'm bisexual? Yes. Yeah. He's when in the coming out video, he never actually officially said I'm gay. And I'm not sure when I, I, don't, I don't even know if there was like a big announcement in his life where he just uh, switched, um, not switched, but started identifying as gay. Um, but again, personally, that was a little bit of parallel for my journey, where when I first started telling people I was attracted to guys, I also came out as bi because I wanted to fit into every stereotype possible, I guess. But at a certain point, fairly early on, after I started telling people and being honest, I made a real personal realization myself of whatever sense of attraction I had, or I thought I had to women before this, is just not really there now that I'm being honest. And I, he's never really spoken about what led him to start saying that he was gay. But yeah, it, it, I know it, it took a while for him to say that he was gay publicly. So in, so in late 2013, he said he's bisexual, he's attracted to men and women, and he was dating a man. And then it was only April, so a few months later, that he said, I am a gay man. And it, <laughs> it reflected my story. I remember I came out as bi in, in May and, and by... July. <laughs> I'm not bisexual. I'm I'm gay. And I it's it's so interesting how so many of us go through that same I don't know, it's almost like um 
Uh, I just kind of, we're, we're afraid to say that word, I'm gay. We're afraid to let go of the past when we, you know, we're presenting as straight. And it takes this period of time of being bisexual or, you know, saying that we're bisexual to, to get here. It absolutely does. And, and for me, I think a, just personally, a big part of it was I spent so many years in high school and college, really, convincing myself that I was attracted to women and whatever these feelings I had for like the cute guy in my English class were just, you know, I just, he was popular. I really wanted to be friends with him. And I think when I finally was just able to be completely open and honest about that real attraction, that attraction was experiencing that attraction and wanting to experience, I think is the key word, that want was so powerful that it was just almost overwhelming. And I realized, oh, no, this is this is real attraction as opposed to the react or the quote unquote attraction that I want to, as as you said, present to the world. How long did it take you by the time Tom, by, by that April, a few months later, said, now I'm really gay? Had you made that transition? It took me a little longer than that. I would say, um, especially because I was doing a bit in my act where I would also tell people that I was bi, I would say probably about another year to a year and a half. Um, it, I, I think uh, at some point when I first started really pursuing online dating, uh, and I really made myself sit down and ask, okay, do you want to list yourself as bisexual or do you want to list yourself as gay? And I think that was probably about a year and a half or so after coming out. So are you saying you were bi for pay? <laughs> You're like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with bi cause it's good for my, it's good. I got a good routine going around being bi. Uh, honestly, when it comes to pay, bi works much better than stand up comedy. <laughs> We'll leave that at that. Um, so I, have you met Tom Daly? Oh, no. No, yeah. I I, uh, I have, I, I, outside of, I guess, when he did a book signing tour, I've just never really thought I would ever have any kind of opportunity to even, you know, see or be in the same room with him since I, I don't know how many times the uh, diving competitions ever really come to the States outside of the World Championships. Uh, but if I were ever to meet with him, I would very much guess that uh, my Midwestern nervousness in the face of extremely attractive celebrity would kick in almost immediately. So I would be very unprofessional representing our our, our website. You just stay stay six feet away and you'll be fine. You won't get into any trouble. <laughs> so last, last year has been training for this. Okay, I get it. Well, he's well, I, he's a super sweet guy. And I, I've only very briefly met him one time. Hmm. And uh, well, you live in Los Angeles and and for a while anyway, they were living in in two different places. And he would he would pop into my gym from time to time. And and yeah, I look over like, wait a second, what's Tom Daly doing? in my gym? <laughs> I would start going to the gym if I found out about that. So, <laughs> See, there yeah. you go. But that's Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you know, Greg Luganis, too, right? I do know Greg Luganis, yeah. And he is, Greg is super sweet. Greg days. is probably the sweetest person I have ever met throughout sports. There is, you know, he's, he's, you know, he always says namaste and he's very, he's so calm and so um, gracious and 
he when he was at Outsports Pride uh, last what oh god that was a year and a half ago. I mean, here he is coming to our event as a speaker, um, and and as he's leaving, he gives me this. Um, I, I don't know what country it's from, but it's somewhere in the South Pacific. This beautiful, like handmade necklace. I'm like, Greg. He's like, I just want you to have this. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> you, there, nobody is this sweet. <laughs> That's phenomenal for someone who's. You know, I'll tell you. I mean, I think certainly Tom Daly's, um, you know, his aura, his energy, his persona that he puts forward and, and, and everyone, again, I, I've shaken his hand and said, hello, but everyone I know who's met him says, no, that's genuine. That's how sweet he is. That, that's really delightful to hear as, as someone who's, you know, had him as, and looked up to him, I guess, in a way, uh, because our lives have at least paralleled a bit in, in terms of the timeline of our journeys. That's, that's wonderful to hear. And, and I know that uh, Luganus is someone that he admires deeply in terms of both professionally and as an out athlete. Uh, there's a wonderful YouTube video he put out, I want to say, three years ago, maybe four at this point, where he and Luganus are at an outdoor diving exhibition. And you could see him looking at Greg Luganus in much the same way that like, I would look at like a Ted Williams or a Ryan Sandberg or one of my baseball idols like that. So if Luganus is persona of just nonstop sweetness is something that he also tries to emulate like so much the better on him that's great he is now a youtube star and i'd be curious to know if he's he's probably better known um for youtube than the olympics by by now he has such a huge social media following are there any um videos you know we talked about his persona coming across in those videos you mentioned the golf video are there any others that that you would say to people, you, you got to go check this one out because he really comes through in this one. There is one in particular that always springs to mind first, uh, where he is visiting a drag queen friend out in L.A. And uh, I forget, it's, it's a very famous drag queen, but it always slips my mind because it's also a video with Tom and I kind of got a one track a little bit. But uh, the drag queen makes himself up as Miss Piggy and makes Tom up as Kermit. And they then hit Hollywood Boulevard and just randomly interact with tourists. But just in watching that, until that moment, I didn't realize shirtless guys dressed as Muppets works for me in every way. And I don't know what that is, but holy cow, said Ziegler. Can't, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I... I, I'm getting that you're marginally attracted to Tom Daly. It, we, listen, back when the back in the day when Outsports, I mean, we used to just you know we would we would highlight uh, the hotness of men all the time. We've gotten away from that, um, you know. To, I guess get a little more serious. And plus, you know, to their credit, SB Nation really, you know, they understand the importance um, of of being able to highlight that to some extent on outsports, but, but from day one, they're like, stop doing that. But it's, <laughs> but it's also, you know, it's refreshing to talk to somebody and just be like, yeah, he's just smoking hot. Yeah. I mean, I'm a comedian, I'm a sports writer, but I'm also a dude. So yeah. <laughs> um, you said you would probably freeze. Um, but, but if you were to meet Tom Daly and, and, and you could offer, you could just talk to him for, for, for 60 seconds, what question would you ask him? Oh gosh. Um, I would want to know, especially right now, 
what has the extra year of Olympic preparation done to his mindset approaching the Tokyo Games, presumably, hopefully, next year? Uh, just because, as we discussed earlier, that we know that these games are going to be his attempts to make up for the semifinals in Rio. And he's also probably reaching the age where he's got to start thinking, okay, I'm probably going to be moving on to whatever the next chapter of my life is sometime soon. So having to wait that extra year on top of the four years to come back from that loss, I want to know like how that's, that's uh, how he's adjusted to that. And if he's using that as like extra motivation to go into 2021. Yeah, that extra year, I've said this multiple times, that extra year is going to help some people and it's going to hurt some people. It's, you know, we already know that Robbie Manson, the the, the Kiwi rower, probably isn't going to be there. He's pretty much retired because of the delay. Uh, Karen Clement, the, the Olympic uh, track and field gold medalist, multi-gold medalist, you know, he's a year older. And, you know, you look at Tom's career and that 2016 was, boy, that was that was the height of his career, and can he get back to that? Um, you know, I, I I I didn't cover it super closely, but in the 2019 World Championships, he got a bronze and synchronized. Um, boy, getting back to a place where you can compete for an Olympic medal is is tough. So I that's a that's a great question. I, I that's that's an entire interview. I think just, you know, what have you been doing and how, and plus, by the way, we're in a pandemic and all this other crap. Yeah. And right now, I mean, Great Britain is back in lockdown. So he's still training. I guess that they're like enabling some of the Olympic athletes, as long as they are by themselves in the aquatic center to go out and do the training that they need. But it's otherwise, it's the country. You can't leave the house again. Well, Ken, I um, it's funny. I used to, I, I was doing this, and I haven't for a while. But I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna with you. I, I, I the last couple of podcasts I've frankly forgotten, but I try to end each podcast with the same two questions. One is a name Olympian who's, who's inspired you. I know the answer to that question. That's the this entire podcast is that question. <laughs> um, uh, and baseball is not an Olympian. It was at one point, was it not? Yes, it, I want to say from like '88 until. Until the Athens Olympics. Was that 04, I think, is when they yeah, dropped? Yeah, 04. Anyhow, yeah. so we're not going to go that question. But the other question is is tell me something about Lord of the Rings that, that you love. Are you a Lord of the Rings? Have you seen Lord of the Rings or read it? I have seen the first two Lord of the Rings, but have not seen the third. I am, fantasy-wise, I am very much a, if friends are going to go check it out, sure. But I, I uh, it, it doesn't really... It's not something that I seek out just by myself, if that makes sense, that I'm, I'm much more of a comedy nerd than I am a fantasy nerd. Uh, but I can give you at least a tangential answer to that, if you'd like. Okay. That, uh, I like that great fantasy series like Lord of the Rings inspired an unbelievable book series called Discworld by Terry Pratchett. Uh, do, are you aware of, of those by any chance? No. Terry Pratchett is like the equivalent to fantasy the way The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is to sci-fi. And he created a series of about 40 books called Discworld that are some of the funniest books I've ever read in my life. And a few of them, like a book called Small Gods, for instance, that you get uh, read through and go, that's actually also pretty profound. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's I, I don't know if that's quite the answer you're looking for, but that is the first thing that springs to mind when I think of Lord of the Rings. 
Listen, I, everybody's got a different answer. Um, you know, I, I interviewed one Olympian who was in kindergarten in a, in a Hobbit play. Like some people, you know, I talked to somebody in New Zealand and the, the films were filmed in their backyard. So it's like everybody seems to have a different connection to it. So I, I, I love those, like you just said, just a little maybe off, off the beaten path uh, answer. So. And, it, yeah. and I also love how Stephen Colbert loves Lord of the Rings. Like anybody who is that enthusiastic for something like that, that's something <laughs> that regardless of whether or not I'm into it, I can certainly identify with. Well, Ken, thank you very much. I now know who to assign to the uh, diving world championships and the uh, uh, diving component of the Olympic Games. Every every two years, Outsports covers the Olympics really heavily. Um, and so I, I, I guess we know who's covering diving. If you ever get me press passes, I will be in your debt, but I cannot promise professionalism. <laughs> we have, actually. I mean, if it's... Well, uh, you're... Um, I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, it's probably not going to be in Chicago. Um, well, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out when it comes to it. Yeah. For now, you're going to have to do it via television. Uh, that works, too. Uh, that's, I mean, it's on my television every week regardless. So, You can find Ken Schultz on Twitter at Ken Schultz underscore. That's Schultz spelled just as you think it would be. On Instagram, he's Ken Thin Guy. Ken Thin Guy. I think that's how you're supposed to say it. Almost like Ken, Ken thingy. I'm pretty sure that's Ken Thin Guy. Uh, anyhow, you'd probably appreciate that. He's a comedian. He's a baseball fan. Uh, he's an Outsports contributor. And again, check out his podcast, Three Strikes Are Out on the Outsports Podcast Network. Next week, we are going to talk to somebody that Jim and I have been working with at Outsports for years. Uh, he is uh, an historian an LGBTQ historian who has focused a lot of his work on the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Um, I've been wanting to get him on this podcast for a long time. We're finally able to do it. So uh, as, as long as everything works out, we'll be talking to him next week. Come on back then, and I hope you have a fantastic week. <laughs>